Yes, what is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Rugby Muscle Podcast and another live Q and A edition on the Rugby Muscle Athletes Facebook page. So, usual stuff to get going. Um, questions. If you have any questions on this live, thumbs up as always. Ask any questions in the live feed, and you will get them answered. Um, I'm playing around with a few new features here, so you can find these questions and this live stream if you're watching on the YouTube every week, facebook.com forward slash rugby muscle athletes. That's where these questions will be asked. That's where I am answering these questions from and from the YouTube comments below. So, or below other live feeds. Um, Let's, without further ado, get to the question. But what I would like before we get into this is thumbs up for putting this effort in. It will be a shorter one. I do apologize. I'll try and get either one extra one next week or just get back to the normal schedule. As you can see, the more support you give, the more I can invest in this software and stuff, the more these uh, lives come slightly higher quality. And I really hope you do appreciate the higher quality because it means I get more information and the, you know, it's not just my face on a screen explaining things. It's a little bit more easy for you to digest as it's a little slightly more entertaining, I would assume. So, um, yeah, thumbs up always helps comments in the or questions in the comments below or just comments if you're watching on youtube um, thumbs up on the facebook feed because it helps get out to everyone's show and five star reviews on apple podcasts even if you don't have if you use spotify or whatever make sure you're subscribed on spotify but you you know there's no way to um give us a review on that. But there is a way to review us still using um, Apple Podcasts because that does help the stream get more popular and then it helps it get out into people's news feeds and therefore we get more questions, therefore we get more traction, can get better guests and do all this fun sort of um, software stuff. So without further ado, I said we would be about five minutes. I can't read how many minutes we've gone already because my eye is buggered. So it's brilliant. Let's just get into the first question. Zachary, this is a question that's been quite a while coming because I skipped last week and it was supposed to be asked last week, but we ran on for quite longer or two weeks ago even. He says, I've always believed that wrestling slash grappling is the best experience to simulate the contact portion of rugby. Does anyone have any drills they would recommend or have used to incorporate wrestling and grappling into rucking slash tackling, even just overall body movement? Um, So for me, Absolutely, you are. You're very correct with your assumption that um, grappling and wrestling is a very transferable uh, practice to have and to put in to incorporate into your training. It's something that I, I just don't see still quite often enough. You see it everywhere now in the top ranks of rugby. Is my am I sunglasses straight? In the top ranks of rugby, they all have different wrestling coaches come in. A lot of them have full time wrestling coaches now. Um, with the bigger premiership clubs and the national teams and stuff. Um, it's definitely the art of, yeah, it's, it's grappling is just physical combat without striking. It's about manipulating your opponent as best you can using their body weight against them and using your leverages. It's perfect for ruck training. It's really, really good. Um, the way you would just incorporate it to me <clears throat> would be just to make sure you've got a partner and just go through some low level like situational rucking and you would use your wrestling skills to try and go about it too often. Um, no one's, I think I said this in the last live, which was two weeks ago, 
too often people um, are never actually taught how to tackle or to ruck. They're not taught these basic skills, these basic contact skills. They're just taught to toughen up or get stronger or be more explosive. And it's like, well, what about if you improve the skill of rucking? Does that mean that you know you can be more efficient? Of course, it bloody does. It's the same same theory why um, power lifters and Olympic lifters practice just doing their lifts because it's you know having strength is just one component to completing a movement, no matter what that movement is. <clears throat> Being efficient with your movement is going to be far more beneficial or at least just as beneficial um, in order to help you with your um, ability to ruck and or tackle. So I would just break those skills down into different situations. I'd first start very low level, slow, you know, one person's jackling over the ball or how you'd get there if someone got tackled and you would just practice getting into the right position. Um, there's usually three different common types of ruck that you would do. One would be where you've, you know, where you're there before any other defend, uh, any of the defending team there. So you would just seal it. There would be one where a uh, opponent is you and your opponent are both arriving at the same time to a ruck, and then there would be one where the opponent is already over the ball. I would practice seven, several different scenarios with that at a real low level, just so that you select the right option each time. Because uh, it's not just a case of being able to do the skill. It's choosing which skill to, to to perform, right? It's not just about being strong. It's choosing the right skill, then performing that right skill, and then expressing your strength whilst you've as long as you've chosen the right skill to do it. It doesn't matter if, you know, someone's already over the ball and they're sealing the ball or they are jackling and they're trying to steal the ball from your team and you get there and you just try and do it, perform a seal or you try and ruck but you're too high. It doesn't matter how strong you are, for the most part, um, you're going to probably lose out in that situation. So definitely choosing the right um, technique to use. Practice that at a low level and then just work up to a high level. There are different drills that you can do. I believe Rugby Strength Coach has those on his website. Um, I'm interviewing him soon, so I'll get him to plug those. But they're quite good. Otherwise, if you've just got a partner, you can just do lots of different sumo, basic sumo wrestling skills or practices or drills where you've got you know a grid of two meters by two meters and you just... Um, you know, you can either start in a scrummaging position, you can start one arm under, one arm over, and you're just going to try and manipulate your opponent. And you can do that on your knees. You can do one arm under, one arm over, and you're going to try and fight to get both double underhooks. That's a fantastic drill. Um, and for the, and that is actually something that we are going to look to do once we know when there is a rugby season with Team Rugby Muscle, because I think that... Um, with us now, a lot of players will have had well over a year without any contact situation that might just like really be asking for injuries to happen, uh, particularly with the, you know, around the shoulder area and stuff just to go back into it, even if you are stronger. So we're going to be introducing grappling before any, you know, before the world get back, gets back to playing rugby. We'll, we will have a couple blocks where we're introducing that. Now, is it necessary to do when you're in, like you're completely in the off season, it could be an idea because it could be um, somewhat of a fun practice to do, but it could also be slightly detrimental because, you know, you learn all these skills and then you go away from it to do other sort of training. And then by the time you get around to the season, you've forgotten what those skills feel like and you've forgotten how to replicate them and implement them into your actual rugby practice. So it's very, very, um, you know, situational. It's something that you've got to be kind of smart with, but I would encourage people to do grappling training as part of their um as part of their training for rugby. Now, the other thing that you can do is use wrestling 
like more general wrestling as a fitness component to improve upon your you know your physical uh, fitness it's a lot of the time you see people that do you know they go through a pre-season and they spend you know hours upon hours of doing running and doing skills and then they get to their first match and they can they can just like feel themselves draining after the first 20 to 30 minutes and that's because you haven't practiced your running and your skills along with doing rucking stuff so i could you would incorporate rucking with that um and again probably because it is so fatiguing that would be done more towards you know closer towards the season getting started okay uh i think we only have uh four questions or five questions today so I'm going to try and get through all of these really quickly. Obviously, if I get any more questions in the live feed, I will answer them as they come in. But the next question says, uh, is from Gina. And she says, how can I build my strength to be that untackable person on the field? And is there a way to improve speed at home if currently do not have access to a field or a gym to train? Um, yes. Um, so if you don't have access to build uh, to a field, Firstly, like you can be more creative and get access to a field for the most part. Like, I, you know, even in most lockdowns, now this isn't every lockdown, there are situations where you cannot leave your house, which is, you know, kind of ridiculous, but that, that is the case for some people. Then maybe, maybe that's, for, maybe this is you, but for the most part, people can get to, um, people can get to a field to actually do some practicing and, and that would be your easiest ticket to get faster is practice sprinting like even if it would just be 10 to 20 meters sprints lots of rest lots of full recovery then i would go again um in terms of how you would do it at home you can do jumps you can do acceleration drills against the wall um where you would just try and get your sort of body in a nice strong line and then practice driving your knee up. You wouldn't push the wall like it's like you're doing a sled push. You would just find that position and hold that position. And then you would just get used to having that position so that when you get back to running, you would that push that position that's efficient to help you accelerate faster would feel more normal and you would be able to efficiently be able to sprint faster um, and then be able to transfer that into running. Um, you can also just practice, you know, getting stronger, plyometrics, um, different jump sequences can also all be done at home. Um, that, that, those would be my best ways. And then you could also, you know, yeah, if you improve your power, you know, practice a lot, do a lot of jumping, a lot of single leg jumps, a lot of pops. Um, you know, um, you could do rear foot elevated split squat jumps. You could do hops in different directions. All this stuff would give you the potential to be faster. And then once you got back to, you know, once you do go back to sprinting, you would then actualize those gains, meaning that you would, you would, you'd be able to utilize that power, um, in a sprinting manner and then, you know, become faster because of that. Um, in terms of how can I build my strength to become that untackleable person, that's all about having a real strong core. And actually, that's another way that you can definitely become faster um, from from home is training your core, doing a lot of planks, a lot of side planks. Um, Anti-rotation work is fantastic. So your bird dogs, uh, however you can really work your core, um, leg lifts, all these sorts of things are fantastic for building a nice strong core. And your core is really what like sort of holds your strength together and stops you from being able to be manipulated. Even if you're strong and you have a weak core, you can have someone that, you know, pulls at your, it's like, um, if you've got a really big tree, right? And these, this tree has big, thick branches. Those branches are your arms and your legs, right? 
But if the trunk itself is kind of weak, you can grab one of those branches and that, and that tree will sway from side to side or the wind comes and the, the tree will sway everywhere, right? Whereas if you've got a tree that's got a real thick, strong, dense trunk, you can pull that motherfucker, but that tree ain't moving anywhere. And that's the exact same um, way it works for uh, building a out a strong core for your rugby, you know, strength and conditioning, I guess. Hi guys, I just wanted to jump in here to tell you that if you're enjoying this podcast and you want to become a better athlete, then you can go ahead and visit rugby-muscle.com and pick up any of our free goodies. That is uh, the 50 free rugby conditioning sessions, the physique nutrition crash course video series, the supplement guide, and newly added is a macro calculator. Yes, that's right, a macro calculator where you will be able to work out your protein, carbs, fat, and calories that you should be eating on a daily basis to give you a guide as to where to start your diet from. This will help in conjunction with your 53 conditioning sessions to build you out a decent little plan that will enable you to take control of your training and use effective training and nutrition to become a better athlete. All that stuff and more can be found at rugby-muscle.com or rugby-muscle.com forward slash macros for the macro breakdown. Once again, if you've made it already here and you haven't given a thumbs up or if you're watching on the YouTube and you haven't commented, please do so. It really does help out. Adam asks, How, would a full body session be better than the classic legs, arms, etc. for gaining muscle mass? I'm 105 kilos, 6 foot 3. No idea. Um, it, it, there's no better. There is. I, I would do it that way. Um if you have three sessions a week to work with, I, I like doing full body sessions, but it doesn't, it doesn't mean to say that you have to do legs every day. You could do full body, but you could do, you know, le- you, you could do different, each body part technically or each movement category twice a week. You know, you, I wouldn't think of these sessions in terms of absolutes. And that's a problem that everyone sort of has. Look at your week, look at the work you've got to get through the week. Look at how you want to, um, you know, how frequent you want to train different movements and then just divide it up as necessary. You, you know, you could, for example, if you know that you need to do some sort of um, hinge movement, so you need to do Romanian deadlifts, and you need to do squats, and you also want to do split squats, and you also want to do a uh, high volume lunges. Maybe you need three different days so that you get the best out of all three of those movements. Whereas if you just said, right, I know, you know, I'm not, I'm not bothered about getting my legs too much bigger, but I want them to be stronger. Maybe you only need two days for those different things. Um, it would massively depend on, you know, and then it could be one of them takes too, too much time and you, you figure out that actually after you, after you've done your deadlifts, you're, um, there's no possible way that you can squat anyway. So you don't want to put those two things on the same day. Um, or it could be that your deadlifts are much more efficient after you've squatted because then it, you know that your uh, hamstrings are going to be the body part that gives out rather than your grip. So many, so because you don't have to go as heavy, right? So many different variations that you could do on it. It's not like we have to stop thinking as optimal for each session or for each week. You want to, Figure out how much volume you want to put into a session and figure it out which way. But for the most part, I'm always going to be a fan of leaning towards uh, full body if you can only train three times a week. If you can train more, then maybe it's worth splitting it up, but not always, and it's not always necessary. Um, the only difference there would be if you have three full body weight sessions plus you know um, some heavy conditioning that's quite tough on the legs, you would look at splitting that up as well. 
again, more details, the better. Um, and I can answer that question a little bit better. Uh, Patrick says, we've got two more questions and we are going to rattle through these quite quickly. And my eye is going to get a break. So for those that didn't see it earlier in the post, Patrick says, Hey Tom, started playing in college and one of our coaches told me that the Olympic bar deadlifts are more harm than good and to take them out of our preseason lifting programs. I was just wondering what you thought of, of the, or what you thought and if this is true. It, if you've listened to enough of these podcasts, you know that I rarely speak in absolutes because there is, you know, there's a reason these things exist, no matter how fatiguing or how wacky some sort of methods are. There's usually, you know, a reason and a benefit to be had in some sort of circumstance. I would say for the most part, I would agree with the guy. Um, I'd say if any, if there is any time to do deadlifts, probably going to be in the off season. Um, they are very fatiguing. I don't think they cause more harm than good. I just think that for the fatigue that they create, they don't give you too much of a benefit. You don't move um, any muscle group in a full range of motion. Um, for the most part, you're going to be challenging your grip. You put a lot of strain on your lower back. It takes a lot of fatigue. Um, you know, you need to spend a lot of time deadlifting. You can't just get done, you know, set up and finish your deadlifts within five to 10 minutes. You could probably do that with some sort of, um, or you could definitely do that if you're doing like, uh, hamstring curls of some sort, or even Nordic hamstring curls, right? Um, that would be done in five to 10. So it's not, it's not efficient. Um, if you have a lot of time and you really, you know, you have some sort of um, real big, not like you have some sort of emotional attachment to it, you enjoy doing it, it can have a benefit. If you're really weak and you just need overall total body muscle, probably a good idea to, you know, it's actually a good bang for your buck because you don't need to do too much. Whereas once you start to need to require more and more and more different exercises to get stronger, to get uh, more muscle, to build more explosive power, then because it takes up so much fatigue and you need all this other stuff to, to get the benefit, it starts to become like a bit of a negative. It becomes, it gives you so much fatigue, but not enough benefit. Whereas if you only need to do, you know, if you're an absolute beginner or you're in the first few years of your training and you, you know, you know that you have a lot of strength potential still to reach, you have a lot of muscular potential still to reach and you only need to do, you know, five to 10 sets of total work um, three times a week, you know, you don't need to, too much volume. Then your deadlifts are really good because then you're, you know, you're getting the most bang for your buck out of those few sets. Whereas if no matter what, you know, you need to do, for example, and these are just like arbitrary numbers, but you need to do 20 sets, you know, of lower body to really, you know, get good, some good strength gains in your lower body. <clears throat> Wasting, you know, spending five of those sets, on your deadlift taxes you so much for the rest of the stuff that you can't get the best, best of everything, you know? Um, and, and that's sort of what I think what your coaches are getting at. Um, there are just many better alternatives to use. You, um, trap bar deadlifts for some reason get a free pass, but they are also just as fatiguing. I'd say they put slightly less pressure on the lower back, but they are a higher risk of injury. They're more often more perform uh, worse. So I'd be, I would be cautious to, to say, oh, well, it turns out the trap bar deadlifts are so much better. Not always. Um, and like I said, the reasons they're fatigued or the reasons they're not that great because no full range of motion with any muscle. There's 
like you have to use so much weight, which causes so much unnecessary fatigue, put your lower back in a position where it's slightly exposed, which can be a good thing if you have a weak lower back, you know, but for the most part, most people aren't training to get stronger lower back. They're training to get, you know, stronger glutes and hamstrings and uh, posterior chain, which does include the lower back, but they're not aiming for it. Um, but it is something that I think you need to learn to do to start out with. Um, so I've sort of talked talked out of both sides of my mouth there. Um, the easiest way to do this is just to do Romanian deadlifts um, and do a lot of core work around it. So then you then you're working on that lower back, you're working on your hamstrings a little bit more efficiently. And then when it comes to deadlift, maybe you know you could do. And I this is what I do with my guys is we have a deadlift block for probably a month or so every year or so. Um, it's something that does have its place, but. Yes, there are a lot better alternatives that are less fatiguing in most situations. Okay, cool. All right, we are nearing the end of this podcast. It, this has flown by. Let me just see if I can. Oh, yeah, one more time looking at that funky eye. Um, we have one last question to finish off with this faster uh, podcast uh, Q and A edition today with my wonky sunglasses. We have Mr. Johnson who came back in the YouTube comments, always uh, have started to enjoy answering these questions from the YouTube comments, so it's quite cool. He says, thanks for answering my questions. Given that I'm relatively well-rounded, I'm taking your advice and have decided that acceleration and change of direction is going to be my main work on in order to get good at it. So going back to my original question, putting aside the pitch work, which I agree is where speed is built, would concentrating on balancing out my squat deadlift discrepancy actually help with my acceleration and change of direction to any significant degree or should I focus on other things? Um, I would focus on other things, but those other things might sort out that quote-unquote discrepancy. What you've got to do really is, well, firstly, go back um, on the U- on my YouTube channel, on the youtube.com forward slash C forward slash uh, rugby muscle, I think. Just type in rugby muscle on YouTube or, or rugby muscle needs analysis. And what you'll find is a video where I run through exactly how you can create your own plan and how you can figure out what you are lacking in. And it's like, you just have to answer these questions. And in answering these questions, you'll figure out exactly what you need to do. Um, you, yeah, if you've got a weak, I can't remember if it was a, if your squat was weak and your deadlift was strong or vice versa, but it doesn't really matter. That would just be a demonstration that probably you have like slightly weaker hamstrings or a weaker core. And so then, and that would also come up not just by looking at these lifts. This would also come up by you examining your body, your physique, your strengths, your weaknesses in a game. And you'd be like, right, I think I'm a bit weak in the posterior chain or my core is weak, you know? depending on where you give out in your squat or where you give out in your deadlift, you should be able to assess and look at it and say, ah, oh, it's my core, it's my lower back or whatever it is. Then you would go about improving those things. So I think um, going back to the earlier question, what you could do, I think here is I'm, if I remember right, it was the deadlift is, is fairly weak. This is probably a core thing, which would have some impact on your squats as well, but sometimes people can sort of uh, get away with a weak core on squats by just like putting a belt on really, really, really tight. Um, so I think that's probably is 
what is going on here that you have a bit of a weak core. So I would really try and concentrate on getting a real strong core doing probably different, you know, four times a week, different core variations, rotations, um, planks, um, anti-flexions, which is planks, uh, flexions, so crunches or sit-ups, etc. You could do it from the lower, the, the, by lifting the legs or by lifting your torso. You want to do uh, twists, which is rotations. Again, I've already mentioned that, so I'm getting confused here. Um, lateral flexion, so your side planks from side to side. Um, and then you want to do some sort of posterior uh, uh, planking exercise as well or you know so, um, a good one you know deadlift is a good one but like a, a, if you just stand up and your res- kettlebell swings or if you just stand up holding a band that is being that's like threaded between your legs so like a kettlebell swing but standing up tall that's really good as well to build out your uh, core as well uh, do not forget dead bugs do not forget bird dogs those two those things are going to be massive in helping build out a real strong core and you've got to be really patient with it once you've been patient with it that's going to absolutely help your change of direction again we refer to that trunk that we were talking about before of a tree all you're doing when you're building out getting a stronger core is building out that making that thicker and thicker and thicker then when you want to change direction now you've got the trunk leaning in the direction that you want it to go whereas if it's um if you've got a weak core say you're you're cutting at the minute to your left okay I'm not sure if this is mirroring and showing it to the right, but you're cutting out to the left, right? Your bot, your core is being dragged in this direction. Momentum is dragging you in this direction. Then, um, if you want to change direction, you want your core to not resist. What happens when people have weak core is that they're still going in this direction, even though they want their legs to go here, and it makes the movement a lot more difficult. Whereas if you've got a really strong core, then you're able to move in any direction that you want. At like you know. Um, on, on a dime piece you can really move fast because you've got a strong core if you look at any olympic athletes where they do sprints or if you look at any of the fijians thick strong cores none of them are weak in the core and i think that's something that you really want to work on um in order to help number one which is your priority is change of direction and acceleration but also then might you might see it um even out your squat deadlift discrepancy now i wouldn't worry about addressing it unless it's something that is holding you back you know i would you would just probably anticipate that your de- if, it, if it is your deadlift that is weak your deadlift numbers would go up uh you know at a faster rate and ideally your squat numbers also sli- slowly go up but your deadlift numbers increase faster um the biggest thing i see when people say that they've got discrepancies and this is i've answered this question before when people say oh i've got you know one arm stronger than the other you know, if you're saying that you want to address the discrepancy, the biggest way to, or the easiest way to do that is just to let one side get weaker. But you don't want to do that. You want to get both sides to, you want to keep both sides being stronger. And so really what you want to do is address where the weakness is in the one that is weaker and bring that up and then bring your whole body strength and um, power up in order to somewhat even it out. Now, that brings this show to a close. Thank you guys so much for watching. As always, thumbs up. Facebook.com forward slash rugby muscle athletes is where you can ask these questions. I won't in the future be wearing funky sunglasses. I hope. And I hope my eye will be a little bit better and we will be able to have a good interactive Q&A that will run on for a little bit longer. But without further ado, this one will be over. Thank you guys so much for watching and I'll see you in the next one all right thank you so much for listening if you enjoyed that episode of the rugby muscle podcast then i've got a quick little request and a potential prize giveaway for you if you do said request 
All I want you to do is go to Apple Podcasts and type up a five-star review. Just your general opinions of the podcast would be great feedback, but also helps us reach higher rankings, get more exposure, allow me to attract more guests and devote more time to developing a better all-around podcast experience for you. All you have to do once again is go and give us a five-star review on whatever podcast service you use. Let me know that you've got it. And then every single week, I'll be selecting one review to give away a free prize. That free prize will be either one free month of Team Rugby Muscle. That's our world-class shank condition program app delivered directly to your phone. Or if that doesn't interest you, then we've got one free consultation where I'll, I'll go over your training program, your nutrition, and advise you how to best plan for your goals. Even if none of those things interest you, it's still doing me a solid and helping the podcast grow by going and giving us a five-star review. There's no real excuse. It takes like one minute and that helps the show out exponentially. So I'd really appreciate if you could do that. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'll see you in the next one.